and welcome to another great episode of the Beyond Normal Podcast. Today we have a very special guest who is actually delivering physical goods, desserts to your front door. Uh, we have a guest by the name of Siani Dean. She is the founder of Cranky Granny's Sweet Rolls. I'm excited to have her on. We don't get too many entrepreneurs uh, nowadays that are that are really focusing on physical goods. So I want to bring her to the stage so she can share her story with everybody. Hey, what's going on? Doing good over here. Excited to have you on the platform. If you're ready, I'm excited to dig into your uh, story. So you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Got it. Um, so I want you to tell folks uh, a little bit about your background in terms of uh, you, you before being a business owner, right? You, you think of physical goods, you think of sweets, like what, what, what was the path for you to get to this point where you want to be making cinnamon rolls for people? Uh, so before this point, I mean, I was still in high school. <laughs> so the, the earliest before this was what, maybe freshman year of high school, um, middle school and stuff, because I started my business at a very young age, came up with the idea and concept and everything at a very young age. I was 15 years old. I was in an entrepreneurship program. Um, and I kept giving ideas on to someone else's idea. I was like, oh, what if you did many this or many that? Da, da, da. And the instructor of the class was basically like, how about you take one of your, your own ideas? And I was like, okay. All right, so I sat there and thought about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do cinnamon rolls. And I used to work at this place called Water Rita Ice, um, called Rita's Water Ice. And we served multiple different flavors of water ice. I'm like, you know, that'd be cool if I kind of brought that to like the cinnamon roll world. I knew Cinnabon didn't really have any type of competition or anything like that. So I'm like, you know, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and it was something I slowly became passionate about because I was not into becoming any type of baker or anything like that. I still don't even claim the title as baker. I just call myself entrepreneur. Um, and I just so happened to sell cinnamon rolls. Um, but so I came up with the concept and everything when I was 15 years old. From 15 to 18, I was doing market research. And at 18 is when I fully executed everything because that's by the time like, my trademark information and paperwork and everything was getting done. Had the EIN, the domain name, and everything like that. So in between those years, 15 to 18, it's not like I stopped doing anything that had anything to do with Cranky Grannies. It was more so just a waiting process. And I'm 15, 16, 17, um, not much money. I'm still hustling, though, selling food platters and doing catering and things. So those are the things that funded Cranky Granny Sweet Rolls. So once I hit 18, then my first uh, pop-up shop sold out, and I just kept on going from there. I appreciate you sharing that. And it... it... Like you, you touched on a lot of things there. You were in an entrepreneurship program early on in high school. That's something exciting to hear. I don't think everybody gets that opportunity, but you just really kind of having that bootstrap founder mentality. Like you said, it started for you at the age of 15. And mm -hmm. you may not call yourself a baker, right? But that's what you are at right. this very moment, right? You started out in New Jersey, I believe, right? Correct? Yeah, so I started over um, at Willowbrook High School, which is where I graduated from which is in Willenboro, New Jersey, that's 1,700 miles away from where I'm at currently. I'm now in Austin, Texas. I moved the business here about a year and a half ago, going on two years. Um, was, you know, 21 years old, no kids, not in college or anything like that. Had the opportunity to sell the sweet rolls out of a restaurant out here called Midtown Live on Cameron Road. And I was like, you know, I really don't have anything to lose. And it's, a mentality I had to get away for a while because even when I was thinking about college, I was like, I'm not going to college anywhere near Jersey. Like I was going to go to like Atlanta or something like that, something far away. 
So I feel like me leaving was kind of still going with that same mentality because I've been very independent my whole life. But I do have a lot of people I can depend on. And I feel like it's a whole nother level of independency you get when you leave where you're from. And it's one thing to grow your business where you're from, where everyone's heard something about you or, you know, someone can reference you. But it's a whole nother thing to see if that same idea works in an area where no one's ever heard about you. They don't know what a cranky granny's is. They don't know what a sweet roll is. Of course they know what it is, but they're not identifying it the same way that I am. So it's another thing to grow where you're from and then take it 1,700 miles away to the whole other side of the U.S. where no one knows who you are and see if that same idea works. And obviously it's been working because four months later, after moving out here, we signed our lease to our very first storefront. Congrats. Yes, congrats on that. And I think that's a early on in the conversation you're dropping, Jim, that's definitely a beyond normal concept, right? You going to your hometown of New Jersey and then saying, hey, I'm going to move. I don't even know how many miles away that is. That's probably like, what, 1,500, 2,000 miles away to a different city, Austin, New Jersey to Austin. Uh, as folks can imagine, that's definitely a culture shock, I can imagine. So I'm curious to know for you, Siani, in particular, what did you see in that Austin market that kind of uh, would be a good opportunity for you to move to uh, Texas, away from your hometown, where a lot of people, when they're building businesses, they look uh, for that hometown love before um, branching out. What did you see? I thought Texas is a, is a place that loves to eat. Because <laughs> I came here to visit uh, in January of 2020, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, my girlfriend and I came out here just to take a look around or whatever, because we do have a couple people that we do know out here. Um, which is actually the person who connected us to Midtown Live. And he was just saying how, you know, this would be like a really good place for you, uh, it'd be a great market. And I started putting some thought into it. And like I said, I wanted to leave anyway. I was tired of being in Jersey. I was like, you know, what the heck? I'm going to just give it a try. Um, and I was receiving a lot of like shipping orders from Texas. So I'm like, you know what? Obviously, they are interested in stuff like this. And just knowing that this is a place where like, if you want to eat, you want to talk about food, people are most definitely going to bring Texas up in the conversation. So why not be one of those center points for that conversation, which we are now. Like a lot of people that are coming from, we've had people from Cuba, we've had people from New Orleans, from New Jersey that may have uh, found out about us once we moved from Pennsylvania, California. We've had people from all over say, wow, we've been watching you on social media for so long, we're finally able to get a chance to come to the store. Or, oh, my family told me to come by here, my sister, my daughter, my son. So now we're in that conversation of one of those places that you need to visit when you come to Texas. I applaud you for taking that big risk. Um, again, that's a beyond normal concept. You, you really not looking for that hometown love and saying mm -hmm. you want that challenge of moving somewhere else, uh, having that brand new audience, having that fresh perspective. And it seems like, like you said, you having uh, some of those quick wins, four months in, being able to have your own shop. Um, it seems like things are working for you. So I want to dive a little bit into uh, the physical product space, right? Uh, COVID has uh, made this, uh, the whole uh, idea of having and selling physical products to people very interested in this time. Can you speak a little bit around some of the challenges that you dealt with? Um, as COVID has happened and, and things like logistics have uh, tightened up a little bit um, throughout the pandemic. So it's crazy because when COVID originally happened, I had I was coming fresh from a, a trip from Puerto Rico. <laughs> 
So I'm over in Puerto Rico, don't even know anything that's going on. And then we pop up over here. We see everyone's going crazy about toilet paper and all this stuff. So of course we go do our shopping and everything. Then we receive a call from our girlfriend's job saying how, uh, you know, we're going to be closed for this day. And it went to, we're going to be closed for this week. Then it's, we don't know when you guys are coming back. And I was selling food platters at the time and doing catering. And I, it kind of hit me because I'm like, you know, if people aren't even willing to go to the malls anymore because COVID and stuff, they're definitely not going to be willing to buy anything out of someone's house or apartment anymore. So for about maybe two to three weeks, I stopped selling food platters, stopped doing catering and stuff like that. And I was just trying to figure out what am I going to do next? Because I wasn't really into the whole digital uh, product thing yet. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just stop. But then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to start again, and I'm going to just start selling. Instead of just on Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to start selling just about every day, Wednesday through Sunday or wherever the case is, Monday through Sunday, whatever the schedule was. Like, I'm going to just sell more days in order to be able to keep up with everything. Honestly, COVID probably impacted our business in the best way because we started selling even more than we were at one point. It, like, before COVID hit. Um, I guess that comfort food is what everyone really needed, that great comfort food, because we were doing a lot of soul food, the Alfredo's, the, this, that, because I cook so many different things, whether it's Italian, it's Mexican, it's soul food, it's Jamaican food. I, I make so many different things, so people just wanted that comfort. I think it helped us in that way, and as far as the sweet rolls, we were already shipping the sweet rolls out before COVID happened, but now people are on their phones more, so now... And then, like you're you're going to get advertised too if you're looking at cranky grannies <laughs> like social media pages. So now people are on their phones more now. More orders are starting to come in. So it really didn't change anything in the shipping aspect. Like oh wait, now we got to pivot and start shipping. It was something we were already doing, but it became a lot more relevant once COVID did hit. Um, but those shipping fees definitely killed. <laughs> That's one of the things I definitely can say changed a lot too. Um, Prices started going up on shipping. Shipping fees were already high for what I do because my product is, you're receiving a heavy product. These aren't light sweet rolls or anything like that. Yes, they're super fluffy and they're big and things like that, but they're not like a two ounce shirt or something like that that you're shipping out. These are at least a good three to four pounds shipping out to you, six, seven, eight pounds, depending on how many sweet rolls you're getting. So the shipping fees have went up drastically and they're going up even more now, especially with everything happening over in Ukraine and everything too. So COVID in Ukraine is making it even worse right now for shipping, but um, it's something that we're still, we're still doing and people are definitely loving it. Appreciate you giving us those insights there, Tiani. And um, I mean, that's just the reality that we live mm -hmm. in right now, the, the current environment. Um, all these things that are going on, the, the, these global issues, uh, we all go to the gas tank, we all feel that pain, right? Um, it, right. It's going to have to trickle down in, in certain aspects to the end consumer in a lot of cases. Um, mm -hmm. And it seems like you have some flexibility there um, mm -hmm. and you're okay with making sure uh, the customer pays the price that is set and you're not discounting your business. We've, we, we, yeah. we hear a lot of stories of uh, businesses in our community thinking that you got a discount uh, heavily. Uh, but, you know, when I went to your site, I was really, I was impressed, right? Um, one, because the story was strong, but then two, I think the way that you're pricing it, uh, that that's not something that everybody has the stomach for in right. this current yeah. environment, right? You think, <laughs> oh, I got to have a discount and probably I got to do two for one. Like, no, like let the product 
speak for itself. And you touched on the, the pandemic. There's something about sweets and that comfort in the current environment we're in. Like we're, I'm willing to pay for it. You know, I ordered uh, some, some some cinnamon cinnamon rolls from from your business, and I was pleased, right? And I didn't mind paying because I understood, like you said, this is a hefty product. This is something that has substance to it. It's not a right. two ounce shirt, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's just one thing. You know, I definitely commend you on that. But just having the guts in this current environment to really charge what's needed. And uh, mm -hmm. I know the saying that Fat Joe coined, right? Everybody knows that, right? You know, my version of it is the price is the price, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're not discounting ourselves. We're, we got to put ourselves on the same pedestal as some of those brands in your case that people are paying top dollar to go to the supermarket um, to to purchase as well. Paying the amount of money that you do for our sweet roll is technically considered a premium product. But I think another thing that a lot of people don't take in consideration with small businesses or businesses in general is we're not able to get some of those bulk discounts that some of the other players are able to because they may be ordering, let's say, for example, my containers, for example. Um, they, may, they may be ordering like 50,000 containers. Me, I'm like, where the heck am I going to put 50,000 containers? Where am I going to get that, that cash flow from to even be able to do that as well? So those are some of those things. So I may be paying 25 cents a container versus these the the bigger players are able to spend maybe maybe six cent a container, which is a huge difference, especially when you're talking about volume and wanting to get to more people. That is easily additional thousands of dollars being spent in certain things that could be going towards other places. And of course, that's not the that's not the end consumer's problem at all. But in order for us to stay in business, those are the things that we have to take in consideration because of course we love what we do, but at the end of the day, this is still our livelihood. Like I'm cranky Randy Sweet Rolls 24 seven. I don't have a plan B, I don't have another job. I don't have any of that. It's cranky Randy Sweet Rolls. And of course we love to say we have to have multiple streams of income and things like that. And I totally believe in that. But my thing is I'm, I'd rather be super successful in one, I'd rather be super successful in one area rather than mediocre in multiple. Now, of course I wanna venture into other things along the line, but this is the thing that needs to become 100% first because this is something that be, can easily make millions and billions of dollars. It's just putting that work and that time into it now and then going on to the next thing. Because honestly, becoming a baker was not my very first thing I was going to ever do. <laughs> I actually wanted to be in like the music industry and stuff, which this is it's two totally different things. Got it. And so you touched on... Uh... At the end there, you touched on uh, going into the music industry, right? Like you mm -hmm. said, music snaps, but we are <laughs> seeing entertainers yeah. now, right? They're like kind of cross, like cross branding, right? And they're they're trying to own brands and things like that. So, have you seen any similarities between the two industries? As somebody yourself, it sounds like you have interest in the music industry as well. Like, do you see some parallels from your time when you were thinking about going into music? Um, I feel like the hustle is the same. So when <laughs> I'm sorry, when I'm looking at something motivational or something that can be motivational to me is listening to different music, listening to like different rap artists and stuff, because I look at it as some of these people, a lot of these rappers, successful rappers, musicians, singers, uh, 
are in the studio three, four in the morning, pulling day, sh- day shifts, trying to make sure they're getting all the proper songs out or making sure the songs sound right, writing songs and doing different things like that. So I feel like I identify with the artist more than I do with another baker to a certain extent. Um, Cause I, I'm going to be honest, I don't look at too many different chefs and like try to compare our stories. I look at a lot of different music artists cause I feel like that hustle is the same way. Um, and it can be for other bakers as well, but I, that's just what I identify with a little bit more. Because at one point, like I said, I wanted to go in the music industry. I wanted to be a DJ, music producer, and an A&R, and like go find the talent and everything. Um, but right now, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm centered on the sweet rolls and everything. And I, I just feel like it's just really, really similar. Even down to like the investment standpoint, it's like, okay, say I was a uh, find an investor, he's saying, oh, I want 30 or 40% of your business or something like that. To a certain extent, that's the same thing that's happening to these artists. We're going to give you this amount of money. You're going to basically <laughs> work for us. You're, we're going to give you $100,000. We're going to give you a million dollar deal or whatever cases. And to a certain extent, they basically own a percentage of you. Um, so that's one, of, that's one of the other ways I look at it, too. Now that makes sense there. You dropping gems, Siani. I appreciate you uh, sharing this on our platform. And you touched on something at the end, the idea of having investors, how you grow and scale your business. Can you share with us a little bit uh, around like what's your strategy long term uh, to building out uh, Cranky Grannies? Uh, like where do you see it, see it growing and how do you plan on um, strategically getting there? So, of course, I want to be able to keep 100% of my business just like anybody else would. But for with the, the, the things that I want to make happen, I know that it's going to be, I don't want to say impossible, but it's most definitely going to be a, a, a much harder, more, more difficult, and longer road. Um, so we eventually do plan on bringing different investors in, but we want to wait for the right time. And we just want to make sure it makes sense because we still, to since this is our first year having an actual store, we still are kind of in like the early stages, even though the business has been around for years. I feel like it's at a different level, it's at a whole nother different level now, rather than doing everything out of an apartment. Um, so right now we just want to make sure we come in contact with the right people who aren't trying to take advantage of the early stages and see the full potential. Because I'm starting to understand that if you're willing to give me let's say $10,000, that means that my business must be worth $100,000. It must be worth at least 10 times more than what you're willing to offer me. So that that puts me in a position where it's like, all right, now I need to smarten up a little bit more and figure out how exactly can we negotiate this in a proper way where it's both it's beneficial for the both of us. Because I don't want to take advantage of you and I don't want you to take advantage of me. But uh, we 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 definitely are moving in that direction eventually start having investors and things come on because a lot of people are interested in having their own cranky rainy sweet rose in their own states and things like that in their own city so it's something that is most definitely going to happen eventually but right now we're still holding on strong for as long as we can <laughs> yeah i don't blame you siani um as you were speaking about the knowing your worth uh you know we all know that we all have seen master p how he's transitioned, right? Uh, we, we know how he, he started his career as an athlete and slash rapper, and now he's wearing the suits. He's got multiple brands in-house. Like, mm-hmm. as you were sharing your story there, Siani, like, I'm very excited to see as you're on this journey, 
right? And you still feel like you're you're fairly young in the process, right? Where you end up in say 10 years with that mentality of, all right, I'm gonna own my own stuff and I know it's not gonna be easy to mm. get there. And so I'm curious though, going down that path, um, your business now is direct to consumer, right? And the, the, I feel like the thing with physical products, there's always this kind of like, do I, do I partner with the retail retailer? We all know the retailers that in your case, that, that would be some of the viable partners or do I build and kind of have this franchise model. So I'm curious, um, for you, like, how do you juggle that? Um, are you playing both? Are you playing swimming in both lanes at the same time? Or are you really focused on one specific model of growth? So honestly, there's one, uh, there's one company that we're really interested with working with one day, and that would be Starbucks. Like we would love to see crazy rainies in the Starbucks. But then on the back end as well, it's like a double-edged sword. I kind of don't want my product in other establishments. Like I kind of want it to be, well, not kind of, I want it to be where you're coming directly to us. Like we pop up in your, your mind, just like a McDonald's does or a Dairy Queen or Red Lobster or whatever the case is, um, a dependable brand that you know that you, this is specifically what you're going there for. We kind of don't want it where, oh, you can go find our product in a Target or a Walmart or a HEB or something like that. That's not really what I'm going for um, as far as the cinnamon roll aspect. Now, as far as like the glaze and the toppings, that is something that we eventually do plan on putting in different retailer locations and stuff. I like the multifaceted approach, Tiana. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And so, you know, I can really tell like you're thinking through like long term, like world domination is the topic, like like, like we like to call it um, on the right. show, right? Like what that world domination looks like for you. It seems like you're tackling this from a, a couple different angles, but I'm curious, like from your perspective, like what is the, if you could have, you know, that pie in the sky, that world domination for yourself, like what exactly does that look like for you? So I'll say, a long-term, I, I, I'm going to answer this in like a long-term goal way. Um, so a long-term goal for us is to have at least one Cranky Grannies in every state. So that way we're able to serve every market. We'll still have shipping available and things like that. But my long-term goal right now is to have at least one Cranky Grannies in every state. And then eventually just keep for uh, building off of that and building off of that. And then eventually having maybe some some other companies under Cranky Grannies as well. We have some other ideas that we would like to do um, that we think can go under the umbrella of Cranky Grannies. Uh, that that would definitely be great. And I, I know it most definitely most definitely has the potential to do that. But we're just trying to make sure we're going slow and steady with it. We don't want to rush anything. And we don't want to look like, well, I'll reference music again. We don't want to be a one-hit wonder. That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to just come make quick cash and then get out of it. We're looking for longevity out of this. This is something that needs to live on after I'm gone. Um, and after people forget about whoever the heck, see us, who created Cranky Randy, we just want it to keep on going on and on. That's part of that. Um, and then I, there's things I want to at least to come out of the success of Cranky Randy as well. Um, because like I said, there's other avenues I want to go down, like public speaking, uh, whether that be inspirational, motivational, whatever the case is, but being able to touch a lot more people's lives with the story and everything like that. Because a lot of people can identify with Cranky Granny because everyone has a granny and 
most <laughs> grannies, you know, once they start getting a little bit older and stuff, they are a little, uh, they are a little cranky, but they're also sweet. And they're also the people that we can depend on and we love and everyone has one. So being able to just say how I started from having someone in my family who inspired me to creating a whole multi-million, multi-billion dollar company. And now I'm able to speak to you guys and let you know that you're able to do the same exact thing too. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, grannies, we all know, we all love them. The desserts, I can imagine my grannies, like her desserts were the best. Mm -hmm. uh, so growing up, and so like you said, just the branding, the whole the, the whole story, like as you were just, as you were just painting it with your words for us, like I went down memory lane myself and now I feel like I need to go ahead and put in my second order of Cranky Granny's <laughs> uh, cinnamon rolls. But you touched on something, um, this goes along the lines of with, with grannies, right? Around legacy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you want something that's going to be here after. Um, you, you you want the brands to live on after you, right? And so I'm curious, um, you started out in the entrepreneur program in your high school in New Jersey. Like, what's something that you want you 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 uh, want that next crop of entrepreneur to keep in mind, right? As they're young, they have these ideas, but they're looking to to build something. Like, what what do they need to keep in mind? They need to keep in mind to make sure that you're doing your market research. That's the most essential part of becoming. I feel like, in my opinion, a successful entrepreneur, a successful business owner, you need to know your market. People buy from confident people. People don't buy from, uh, I, I don't know. They don't buy from, I don't know. They know from, they buy from people who they know for a fact, know their industry, know their product is good, and it's not going to be sometimes. So, matter of fact, that would be two things. Doing your market research and just making sure you're as consistent as possible. Short and sweet. I like it. In closing, um, I want to pass it to you a couple more times. Uh, you've been dropping gems the whole time, but how can folks stay in tune with, with the brand, stay connected, learn about the newest uh, flavors and the, and the newest offering uh, that uh, Cranky Granny's uh, Sweets has to offer? So we actually have a community. So if you text us at 609-359-0732, you can stay updated with some of the new flavors coming out. You'll get, be able to receive different perks, special perks and things like that, um, different discount codes. Um, you can also follow us on our social media pages, though, on Instagram at Cranky Grannies, Twitter at Cranky Grannies, Facebook, Cranky Granny Sweet Rolls, on TikTok at Sweet Roll Dealer, and our website is crankygrannies.com. You got it all on lock. I like seeing <laughs> when businesses have that brand across all social media channels and your name is unique. So, you know, when people Google it, right, um, they're probably <laughs> either going to get your brand or memes about cranky grannies, maybe. I'm not sure. And then so uh, last up, I just want to pass it to you this last time. Like, what's that lasting thought um, that you want uh, people listening in? potential new customers, uh, some folks that are thinking about maybe starting their own business. Like, what do you want them to keep in mind uh, as, as uh, that one takeaway from this conversation? Obviously you've given us plenty of gems, but what's that one lasting takeaway you want them to, to keep top of mind? The days that you don't feel like doing it the most are the days that are gonna be the most impactful for your business. So of course you're gonna wake up with days where you're just like, I really just don't feel like doing this at all but those are going to be the days that mean the most in in your journey and in your success 
it's about the process of it. It's not about the end goal. It's not about when you finally hit that million or that five million or whatever, whatever your goal number is. It's not about when you hit that number. It's about the process of it and the lessons that you take out of it. Don't take anything as a loss. Think of it as, you know, this is giving me some time to sit back, think how I can do this better and make sure this doesn't happen again. So just take as many lessons in everything that you do and, you know, just keep going. It's going to be a difficult process, but, you know, nothing comes easy. If it was going to be easy, everybody would be doing it. That's facts, Tiani. Couldn't have said it any better. I wish I had a mic to pass you so you could drop the mic because <laughs> uh, that's the last gym that I feel like we can close out this conversation with. But I definitely appreciate you uh, for coming on, sharing your story from New Jersey to Austin. Uh, it's amazing. I'm excited to see, see see more of the growth. I'll be ordering more product for those listening in. Make sure you tap in uh, with the brand. They ship nationwide. I got my product real quick. Um, and I'm excited again to see physical, physical good products uh, such as Siani's. Uh, this is that. This is a, another way you could be a founder. Everything isn't just the digital, digital, you know, digital world moving forward. Like there's still tons of value in physical experiences. So again, thank you, Siani, uh, for coming on, and uh, to the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Beyond On Podcast. Peace. Uh-huh.